Hello and welcome to the Wee Ginger Dugcast. Uh, I'm your host, Callum Baird, I'm the editor of The National and I'm joined as always by Paul Kavanagh and his uh, Wee Ginger Dug. Hi there. Um, who's in the, in the studio again today. Uh, well, what we he's, said. he's got to come and meet his adoring public. He does, so, he does. So. And, and we're also joined this week... Because they certainly don't adore me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're also joined this week by James Dornan, MSP. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me here today. Thanks for coming. We wanted to have you on this week because we had Mary on last week and she annoyed all the Celtic fans, so we've got you on to annoy the Rangers fans in the interests of balance. <laughs> thank, you, thank you very much for that, Paul. I'm sure my Twitter will be well worth reading tonight. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's, let's, let's try not to annoy... Uh, listeners, let, let's try and give them a, a, a fantastic <laughs> educational uh, experience, and let's, let's let's tell them about Brexit and let's tell them about the budget. But well, well, let's start with Brexit, right? right. Because and, and I know we we always kind of start here, but it's been another it's big week. It's Groundhog Day. It is. I was trying to, you know, when I was preparing for this, I was trying to think what was it happened this week again. But it, it was the it, it was, was the sort yet of another significant vote that turned out to be not very significant. Uh-huh. So it was, the, it was the series of amendments which were voted on yeah. on, on Tuesday night, um, and basically most of the kind of common sense, sensible ones didn't go through, exactly. and the, the Tory backbench one uh, effectively sending the Prime Minister back to negotiate something which has already been ruled out, um, that's the one that, that did pass. Exactly. So what, what was the significance of that then? What, where, where are we now versus Monday? Well, I think it's now... A no deal Brexit's looking more. Yeah, that's that's without a doubt my yeah. favourite scenario in terms of what I think is most likely to happen no. as opposed to the amendment that was passed, the, the, the Brady Amendment, it's it's basically it was a key plank in getting the Conservative Party to agree with itself, which is far more important to Theresa May than any other consideration whatsoever. And she's now gone back to the European Union demanding that they give her a solution to her own internal party problems, essentially. Renegotiating something which was offered to Theresa May as a compromise in the first place. With some of the things that she put in the exactly. renegotiations. And we say. had the, the, the spectacle of the Prime Minister voting on an amendment against her own policy. Yes. Worse than that, but Paul, she did she not whip her party did, right. to vote against her policy? She did. Right. Is that not despite insanity? The fact, this, yeah, it's, it's it's mad. It's just mad Brexit. It's just you, yeah. you sort of watch it with your jaw hanging open, and it's like if you wrote a book, it, it wouldn't nobody believe you. No, you know, I know they wouldn't. Would they? No, they no wouldn't. I know. They'd say, don't be ridiculous. No political party would do that. It's interesting because this whole thing started as an internal political battle in, within the Tory party yeah. and Brexit's going to finish in exactly the same way. Yeah. The whole, and all the way through it, it's all been about keeping the Tory party together. It's never been about what's best for the people of the UK. It's certainly never been anything to do with what's best for the people of Scotland. No, we don't even get a look in. No, we're not mentioned, we're not thought of, and we're treated with contempt. When I mean, for me, that's, that's the, big, um, the big lesson from Brexit is that this isn't a union at all yeah. for me. That that's the big lesson, the big thing to take from this, because throughout this entire process, Scotland has been. It's not. It's bad enough that Scotland is marginalised and ignored, but this government has actually used Brexit, which the people of Scotland voted against, in order to undermine the devolution settlement, which the people of Scotland voted for, 
and all the while she's going on about respecting the will of the people. But it's very obvious that the will of the Scottish people counts for absolutely nothing. And there's people of Scotland, the Scottish government, you know, no Scottish institution has any voice at the top level of British government, with the exception of David Mundell, who hasn't resigned yet. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I suppose after the events of Tuesday night, are we closer to knowing what's likely to happen? You think a no deal's much I, more I think likely? I no deal's much more. I mean, just because every time that we have one of these pointless votes, we're another week closer to the deadline. And we're coming to a stage where I just do not think that there's a there's time even for a cobble deal to be put together. Mm. I just don't think it's feasible. I think that we're going to get to that stage where there's so many factions in the Tory party and in the Labour party who should be hanging their heads in shame in the way that they've behaved over Brexit uh, that I just think we're going to... It's like, and you've seen the, the, the memes on, on the social media, but it is like the end of the Italian job. You know, we're all on that bus and we're terrified. You don't know what happens, but I think, unfortunately, in this, in this case we do, and we're heading down that cliff. It is utterly hard to... It's completely hard to believe, and it's terrifying. What's it like as, as an MSP, um, looking at it from afar, or as a politician, and looking at the way Westminster does things? All it does, for the likes of myself, is reinforce my view of Westminster that it's not really a place where business gets done, it's an old boys club that is there to perpetuate itself, to make sure that the party in power stays in power, and if they don't, then maybe that other mob should, but we're not letting the Nats anywhere near anything substantive. So it just, it, it firms it up. Does, I have to say, be honest, right, I watch in horror and, and completely agog, but there's a part of me that sometimes is smiling when I watch it, because I think... We told you, you know, we told you, this is what Westminster's like. They don't care about us, they don't even consider us, and it's not how a modern democracy should be working. And I, I think Brexit has shown the contempt to hold the people of Scotland in, that this is not a union of equals, and that it's a parliament that should be a museum and not a working democracy, as, as it pretends to be. I suppose we actually did a story the, the, the day after uh, and it kind of outlined what all the Scottish MPs voted for and, and in nearly every vote apart from the one um, which rejected no deal without any sort of obligation to actually do it uh, the, the will of Scotland's MPs was, was completely irrelevant Oh totally, yeah You know, yeah. And, and, and What was interesting though was I mean, with the honourable exception of the National which is a phrase I seem to say quite a lot actually the Scottish media didn't talk about how Scottish MPs voted. You know, they gave us this whole big thing, you know, back in 2017 about how these Conservative MPs were going to vote as a block. Yeah. They were going to do what, you know, they were going to do what Ruth Davidson wanted. They were going to make sure that Scotland's needs were, were met, that Scotland's voice was heard. And they've done absolutely bugger all. And the Scottish media isn't holding to account for that. Are they getting away with it, aren't they're they? They're totally the, the, getting away the with Scottish it. Scottish Tory Because the, the British nationalist media in this country mm. is allowing them to get away with it. And I think, sadly, that's why there isn't more popular outrage about the contempt with which Westminster treats Scotland, because it's not made an issue in the media in this country, which, as you and I are constantly stating, is overwhelmingly biased against independence. That's not a conspiracy theory, that's a statement of fact. 
Yeah, it's interesting. <coughs> and any time, any time independence is mentioned, it's always you know uh, it's crisis for Nicola Sturgeon or Indy yeah, Ref, you yeah, know, yeah. The, and and it just sort of continuously. And it must be it must be hard as an SNP politician to. I mean, how how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you view the Scottish media? Do children listen to this? Politely, <laughs> no. yeah. well, we did have a complaint about a swearing word from last week, so the, yeah. the, so warning turned down now. Is that? <laughs> I, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of very, very good journalists out there. I think there's a lot of good people that work in papers and uh, in this building and, and all the, the journals that are in, in this building. But I have to say that if we want to get out alive, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that the editorial mindset is that you can't say too many positive things about Scotland, never mind about independence. If you if you sell too positive a message about Scotland, we might get ideas of other stations and think, hey, by the way, we're quite good at this. We could maybe do this on our own. You, and because every positive story, the, the, the television's maybe a bit worse than this than, than some of the papers, but every positive story always has an edge to it. Like critics you know, say. Yeah. Yes, exactly, yes. Mm-hmm. Critics called Murdo Fraser say, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's always that bit to it and I, I don't see that happening in the same way any other part of the UK. And, you know, we see quite often a press release from one of our opponents being printed as fact. Yeah. That is that just not journalism, I'm afraid. That's yeah. that, that would be against, I would have thought, any ethos of, of journalism because... I mean, I, I'm quite happy to send you in a sheet full of things that I would like you to print if you'll print them without checking anything. You know, yeah. because that's what happens in too many of the, 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 the media outlets these days. I think part of the problem with the media in this country is that it's not caught up to the changes that have happened in Scotland in the 21st century. Mm. You know, I mean, you and I are of a certain age, James, you know, and we early remember... 40s, probably, know, early 40s. Yes, early 40s. Still full head of hair. Uh, and we remember, you know, back when the idea of independence wasn't mainstream. You know, it was a kind of a wee yeah, yeah, yeah. out there on yeah, the yeah, far yeah. distant edges. Nobody took it seriously. But that's changed now. You know, independence has now very much... It's not just the mainstream of Scottish independence. It's the single most important question in Scottish politics around which everything else revolves. Absolutely. But the media in this country hasn't caught up with it. And I think that's why they're still frantically in search of an SNP bad story that's going to make it all go away. And then we can go back to the way it was in the 1980s and the early 1990s. You know, How ridiculous is that? We've been in government for 11 years. Yeah. You know, if they haven't caught up, what have they been doing? Well, you know, yeah. they've been sleeping for, for over a decade. Rip Van Winkle didn't get away with that. It's, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's not professional. And it's, a, it's doing a disservice... A to the readership, but B to the people of Scotland as a whole. It's, it's an interesting, interesting story the other day, which which sort of kind of perfectly illustrates that. There was, was was the export figures. I don't know if you saw saw exports, yeah. uh, Scotland's exports, up hugely, um, which is a fantastic news story. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this is great. This is this is what we want to be doing. Um, but the line people were taking was, uh, you know, blow for Nicola Sturgeon as exports to the rest of the UK rise you know and, and you know she's urged to, to kill off Indirev too because look at how much we're trading with it you know as if we're not going to trade with with England after or I, with the rest of the UK after independence you I just, do hear some noises but from people who should know better like Sir Theresa May and others just sort of subtly suggesting that will be the case I know but who are we kidding 
But they, well, left school, they no left friends school, anywhere else. If an independent Scotland is a member of, uh, whether it's a member of the EU or not, but where, if it's a member of the single market, if it's yeah. a member of the customs union, then the same rules apply to trade with Scotland as would apply between trade and the rest of the United Kingdom and every other country in Europe. There's this completely bizarre notion that, I mean, the the Tories, all the keep saying is we want free trade with everybody and then they're saying oh but not no, you Scotland you know because because yeah. you you're not work there. <laughs> ah, you know, so there is a very interesting point you know to be made about these trade figures now I, I accept that most trade that Scotland does is with the rest of the United Kingdom although goes the figures the United Kingdom. or goes through the United Kingdom but we need proper figures we don't have proper statistics that's yeah. that's one point um these are based on surveys, which you know people don't always answer. It's it's an estimate. Now I still accept that all those caveats said most trade that Scotland carries out is with the rest of the United Kingdom, but that was also the case with the Irish Republic until yeah, Ireland became a member of the EU, that's right. and now most Irish trade is with the rest of the EU. They still have a very important, significant trade with the rest of the United Kingdom, but it's not as unbalanced as it used to be because being a member of the European Union, being a member of the customs union, the single market, allowed the Irish to rebalance their trade. Scotland, as an independent country, would be able to do exactly the same thing. Ireland's a perfect example of how successful you can be uh, as a member of the European Union as a small nation. You see, for example, the European Union just rallying around Ireland just now and saying... You know, you're not messing with the Good Friday Agreement. Really? The backstop's there, and nothing can take. You know, you're not going to do anything that's going to put that at risk. It's very clear, you know, which of the two between Scotland and the Republic of Ireland is an equally valued partner yeah. in a family of nations. Absolutely, you know, a shadow of a doubt. It's definitely not Scotland. So, there was another big event this week, uh, which was, was happening uh, in your parliament, uh, yeah, well, our parliament, I suppose we should say, should be, yeah, the new, exactly, <laughs> there was some really funny things happened yesterday during the budget, wasn't there, there was the email scandal, there was, uh, I think, was that that's not the first time he's done that, yeah. no, Neil's got a habit of doing that, yeah. which is very nice of him, very helpful, uh, was Anna Cunningham <laughs> fell off her chair laughing at Murdo Fraser, which I thought was, was amazing, I did, I, I did see the bruise on her backside is the biggest political impression that Murdo Fraser has ever made, <laughs> oh, even though I'm say that, <laughs> um, look, I suppose the budget was done yesterday, there was, there was a deal reached between the SNP and the Greens, um, the Greens seemed to leave it a wee bit later this year to come to an agreement, um, but I think there's there's something there's an interesting contrast, isn't there, between the the these negotiations over the budget, which have been taking place between a couple of parties, kind of willing to compromise, and some of the stuff that we've seen down in Westminster, where everybody's got the red lines and nobody's going to budge, and here we are, you know, two years down the line, and we're in the same place. So, to, I mean, how involved in the, the the kind of budget process, or 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 talk us through the day yesterday, I suppose. Right, well, uh, in terms of the budget process, the, the the committees all have their own role to play, right? So we do a bit of pre-budget scrutiny where yeah. we look at some uh, organisations from last year, see how the budget was impacted them, and uh, and then impacted them, and then we we see if we can how how that worked and how it's going to be impacted by this budget as well. Uh, so every I mean, the committees do it slightly differently, but every committee's got its role to play, right, and uh, and feeds into it. But the process itself, yesterday, 
I think we should put on a record that Derek Mackay has just been utterly amazing through this whole process. You know, we're, and no matter what our opponents may say, we're working under incredibly difficult circumstances. Uh, we've, we've got a new offer for teachers. You know, there's, there's all sorts of financial pressures on us coming from Westminster. Uh, and Derek still managed to find a way to get the Greens on board with doing things that none of it are, are we instinctively opposed to doing. You know, it's just always been about timing and about uh, emphasis. So I think Derek's done a great job. The the other parties, on the other hand, you know how we are constitutionally obsessed, right? And we only ever talk about independence. Mm-hmm. We've got Lib Dems and the Tories who won't speak to us because they're obsessed with independence. You know, they they won't even come in the room to discuss things unless we pretend that we're not. Supporters of independence for two years. Do us a favour. And the Labour are, are, are shambles. <laughs> you know, they're just a shambles. So was, was this him with Alec Rowley and had make, trying to make a deal with me? Alec had a, <coughs> an, an, a question a, earlier on. A, a brief outbreak of maturity in the Labour Party <laughs> in Scotland. I, I suspect that Alec's been having talks with uh, people who are affected by decisions here, you know, like trade union leaders and local authority leaders. Uh, and they've been saying to him, we need to get this budget passed. You know, we need to get a budget passed. We can't, this is too serious to play games with. And Alec quite sensibly said that uh, just recently that um, if the, would the government consider giving more money to local government, and Derek says to him, if he did, if we did, would you then support the budget? Uh, right, and quite rightly, Alec didn't answer that. And But then they went to have discussions. Uh, and Alec was cut off at the knees. Aye. So, so, so the, the story for those who, who maybe haven't seen this, I think it was in the Times a couple of days ago, that, that Alec, uh, Alec Rowley, um, who's, uh, who's the uh, local government spokesman? Yeah, he's local government. Is he? He's, yeah. on, he's on my committee. So, um, it's, so it was kind of pitching, I suppose, to, to Derry Mackay that, that, that if there was 300 and Odd million pound uh, saved. Would you kind of back? Would you consider you know doing a deal with us effectively? Um, and Richard Leonard seemingly got wind of this and um, slapped him down and said, "No, you can't. You can't be offering this." Don't be speaking to the Nats. Yeah. I think that's basically what he said. Uh, effectively, yes. I think. And, and it's almost that there hasn't been that same demand for them to drop an independence referendum with the other two. No, 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 they, that wasn't their issue. It yeah. was just, we're not speaking to you. So it, was just, it, really it, was just, it was just basically, you either do our budget proposals or we won't talk to you. And this is, this is the thing that, that, that people don't seem to get about minority government and compromise. You can't get your budget through. You yeah. know, you, uh, in order to get something passed, it has to be have a bit of yours and a bit of theirs. And, and, you Can know, I say something about, uh, you were talking about comparing... Holyrood and Westminster. Yeah. It's no coincidence that the the parties, the two main parties in Westminster are the two main parties up here who don't know how to work in a minority government. Yeah. You know, the Conservatives, yeah. although the Conservatives did previously when Annabelle yeah, was there. Yeah. Uh, but they, 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 they're so obsessed with doing us down, both of them in different ways, that they can't even see that the important thing for the people who support them and who they protect sorry, they purport to be standing up for, 
can only benefit by a budget going through. Yeah, and if it's not the budget you want, it's as close to the budget you want as you can get. And that's why you go in that room, and that's why you negotiate with the, the Cabinet Secretary. And that's why you then come out with your own amendments, your own proposals. You talk about Labour's budget proposals, Labour never had any. What they did was they'd come up with some ideas, but they never had one costed budget yeah, proposal. I saw that, like James Kelly's yeah, not was, one. Yeah. And that is a dereliction of duty. Yeah, and, and I think now the Greens can kind of, you know, quite rightly uh, claim victory. It. They I can say, you know, it. we got this, Absolutely. we got this out of the government, and and we've delivered for the people who voted for us. Um, and the other parties can't. And I, and I wonder what Lib Dem voters must be thinking. That do you, you can't. I don't understand what's going on with the Lib Dems. They, they really have become obsessed. You know, the party that, I mean, I mean, a hundred years ago, the, the Lib Dems, they were the party of yeah. Home Rule. Yeah, sure. You know, the, the Lib Dems, the Liberals. They were the party of Home Rule. But yeah. now they've become this hardline... Hardline Unionist party. Uh, hardline yeah. thing with the, uh, the it's, thing, it's bizarre. The backing I mean, for the people's vote, right, where they say, you know, the, demanding a second referendum. Exactly. exactly. And they they want a second the, referendum, but they don't want a second referendum in Scotland. Yeah. It's, it's utterly bizarre. Uh-huh. But what's even more bizarre... It's like what you were saying earlier, is that they were saying, we're not even going to talk to you unless you take your core defining policy off the table. Yeah. That's a bit like saying to the Lib Dems, we're not going to talk to you unless you stop talking about proportional representation yeah, for Westminster. Yeah. You know, we're not going to talk to you, you know, unless you stop being the Lib Dems. Yeah. Which actually might not be such a bad idea. I, I might want to move votes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and one, one, just one last thing yeah. about the Lib Dems. The Lib Dems, for, for over two years now, have been, every opportunity they can, and rightly so, have been having a go about mental health, yes. about yes. funding for mental mm-hmm. health, and, and pushing it, pushing it, and pushing it. They had the chance to vote for it yesterday and they voted against it because of their constitutional fixation. So don't let them pretend that it's us that's fixated about the constitution when it's them that's obsessed with it. Because they voted down against the thing that they... The only policy, really, that they stand for just now is, is, is the policy on mental health, which is a really positive policy, and they wouldn't even vote for it yesterday. But no, well, the not. Tories did something similar as well, which I was personally quite upset about. Um, and there was proposals in the budget to extend funding for personal care for dementia sufferers who are under the age of 60 or 65. Oh, yeah, because they able to support them. My uh, late partner died of dementia, so it's a yeah, subject which right. is dear to my heart, something that I care a lot about. And the, it was a Conservative MP, I can't remember right. his name now, who was foremost and prominent, shall I say, in the campaign to get that recognised, and credit to him for doing that. And then they voted against the budget provision. Yeah. Because of their constitutional obsession. But not only have they voted against the budget, but they've passed over the opportunity to go to Derek Mackay and argue for more money in these kind of areas that they want to, you know, which is is even worse in some ways. Because if they care that much about mental health, and, and, you know, we we accept that they do, they clearly do, but they had an opportunity to go and ask for more money and we'll back it. And, and, you know. Can you imagine uh, if. If your own, if your your red line yeah. was we need more money for mental health, and they came in and discussed that with Derek, yeah. that Derek wouldn't have found more money for mental health, yeah. which would have meant that, as you say, their primary concern would have been getting even better treated than, than it is well treated. You know, getting treated well by the, the Scottish government. It just seems to me that the, the the British Nationalist parties in Scotland are now they're becoming increasingly shrill and increasingly desperate. Yeah, and I think that's because of Brexit because 
they can see how Brexit is pulling the rug from underneath them. You know, so they they know that you know the the biggest lie, the biggest myth of the Better Together campaign was that Scotland's in this union, this partnership, and that's been completely trashed by yeah the behaviour, the behaviour yeah. of the Conservatives and yeah. Labour yeah. in the House of Commons. You know, so they're becoming really desperate now. Yeah. So. Well, I think we're going to wrap up shortly, but we we can't uh, let you go without asking you. Ended F2? Exactly. Yes. Um, That's the question that everybody I know, I know. It's the question we, we ask ourselves every week, All I think. Um, what, what are your thoughts uh, on, on timing? On, we'll, on we'll have, Your, your we'll personal have. thoughts. Yeah. We'll have it. Uh, personal my personal thoughts. thoughts. Yeah. And, and this, this is, is not party policy. Clearly not party policy. Your or this insider knowledge. Right. I, mean, I wouldn't have any of that, I can assure you. They, I think that there'll be some kind of announcement soon. I think that the referendum will be held in comparatively short space of time Um, but we have to give it we have to give Brexit a wee bit of time to hit the the individual when Brexit comes because you can't go and and campaign saying look at the damage that Brexit's doing and it already is doing it's doing it at a high level but you know we Wait till we see what things are like in the shops. Wait till you see the queues of people coming back. See, after the summer, when people are waiting and massive queues all over Europe are coming back in, they'll soon be saying, what have we done? Mm. Uh, well, this assumes a, a no-deal sort of scenario. I, I, mean, which, I, I am which working kind of, I'm working which puts the I mean, it's, I think this is noticeable with the opinion polls. The opinion polls, I mean, there was that recent poll that said 59% of people in Scotland think independence is better than a no-deal Brexit. Yeah. 53% of people in Scotland think that independence is better than a negotiated Brexit, but the polls are still, you know, under 50% for independence now. So obviously there's a substantial number of people in Scotland who hope that Brexit isn't going to happen. Mm. Including me. Including me. I really hope that we wake up tomorrow and find that we're in the shower. Right. You know, uh, to, to go back to the old Dallas days, because <laughs> the last showing your age now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just over forty, because uh, the last two years have been like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And you know, it would be nice if we could reset the button and go back to the day before so and sure. that vote, and we were never in this mad place where we were going to leave uh, the European Union. So, you, so, so you think there'll be the announcement in the next couple of months when we see clarity? Announcement of some sort, and then it'll, it'll happen, or it'll try to happen reasonably quickly. I suppose the the big blocker is is the potential for Theresa May to just turn around and say no. What, what's I think she'll say no. Yeah. What's your, what's your yeah, thoughts my, on that? My my feeling is that she'll say no as well, and 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 it may well be that the announcement again. I, I don't know, but the announcement may be tied up to whatever is the first electoral opportunity to make the next election. Almost like a plebiscite on on independence, you yeah. know that vote for us. This is in our manifesto. We'll be going for independence if we are the government of Scotland, or if we get the most seats at Westminster, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I I I don't know if maybe that would be it. But you know, what well, I do you, have what do you think about the possibility of a legal case to test whether or not a consultative referendum would be legal? Yeah, I'd be happy with that, but. Uh, I'm not sure who's going, to, who's going to do it and who's going to fund it, but uh, it may well be that, that that's the way to go. I wonder, given that every country has got the right to self-determination, I wonder if there comes a point where, where we're saying to the UN, 
what's going on here? You know, well, it's, I mean, Westminster itself passed the Scottish Climate Right. You know, yeah. was it two thousand? Was it last year? Just, was yeah, it was just last year, the year before. And it said, you know, that Westminster itself agrees that the Scottish people have the absolute right to choose the form of government best suited to their needs. That can't then be subject to a veto from a Prime yeah, Minister of yeah, Scotland yeah, yeah. for, because that would be meaningless. You know, yes, you've got the absolute right to decide, subject to my veto. Yes, that's not an absolute right to decide. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe that. It's about how we then get that that position into action. You know, and that's where we go. Is it? You know, a legal challenge, is it through an outside body such as the United Nations or whatever, because I just don't see that a government can tell us that we don't have the right to self-determination when, when we accept that we're, when it's accepted even by most uh, Westminster politicians that Scotland is a nation. Yeah. I, I think it then has the, the right to self-determination I don't think that they should be legally able to stop it. Well, it's all going to kick off at some Something's point, isn't it? I, mean, I think so. I, th- I, I do get the feeling that we're reaching yeah, that kind of yeah. tipping point. It feels like it. And, and actually, um, uh, make sure you pick up the Sunday National this week and we plug for the paper because we've got uh, quite a good exclusive uh, news story on some things which are happening. So make sure you get that. I can't say any more at the minute. I'm going to be very, very vague at that. Um, but uh, that, was, that was very, very. I know vague. it is very, very vague. But trust me, there's some interesting stuff coming this weekend. Um, and yeah, and please subscribe to the National online uh, to help support us to help us make podcasts like this. Just want to say thanks to James for coming in. Thank you, Cheers. Thank you for coming. Brilliant. Um, and thanks to Paul as always uh, and Ginger who's fallen asleep I think he's totally he's he's fed up wasn't he (laughs) (laughs) we'll be back next week with another special guest oh who's that Anne McLaughlin. Oh, fantastic. Oh, She's That'll be great. Oh, yeah, so brilliant. That will be good. It'll be very good fans one. Well, okay. I, because um, one of the things I like about Anne is you can just sit there and she'll just go. Oh, you don't need to ask questions. So we don't need to do anything. <laughs> we just sit here and let her talk. Fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to that then. Right, thanks everybody. Uh, see you next week. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye.